Hey guys, you're listening to Millennials at the Movies. I'm Amy. And I'm Novi. And all through December, we are covering some of our favorite Christmas movies. It's been pretty family friendly so far, but that's all about to change because today we're doing Scrooged. According to Google Movies, in this modern take on Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, Frank Cross is a wildly successful television executive whose cold ambition and curmudgeonly nature has driven away the love of his life, Claire. But after firing a staff member on Christmas Eve, Frank is visited by a series of ghosts who will give him a chance to reevaluate his actions and right the wrongs of his past. It's streaming on Fubo, and on Rotten Tomatoes, both the critics and the audience give it a 71. Wow. I actually, first of all, I expected higher ratings, at least from the audience, and this might be the first time we've had the same ratings from both. Cool. Um, This is a pretty big name cast and i gotta also say danny elfman is so freaking amazing like it's so distinctive the way he does music that i can pick out his style without even knowing he did the soundtrack i didn't know that either but yeah i could have probably made that guess (laughs) um there's okay so i had heard of this movie obviously a lot and i had never seen it I like Bill Murray. I'm not like this big, huge Bill Murray fan where it's like, I've seen all of his movies, but I always enjoy anything that I do see him in. So I knew I was going to enjoy this movie at the very least, but I had no idea what the hell I was getting into. I could never have guessed that for sure. It's hard to explain. (laughs) Yeah, and I did what I always do, and I didn't allow myself to watch a trailer or anything like that, and I was like, okay, I know kind of what this is going to be about, but it's Bill Murray, so it's probably going to get a little crazy, and it did. (laughs) We get to start out with the trailers, though, because Frank Cross, Bill Murray, is an executive at a television station, Mm -hmm. and they're showing off the kind of programming that the station has which includes Robert Goulet singing to crocodiles <laughs> yep a leave it to beaver dupe called father loves beaver <laughs> that was my and an action movie about saving santa claus starring lee majors called the night the reindeer died which i would legitimately watch <laughs> I think my favorite part of that is how um, both Mr. and Mrs. Claus tell Lee, tell Lee Majors that he has been a really good boy this year. I was like, hmm, okay. <laughs> Are they trying to have a threesome with Lee Majors? What's happening here? Okay, Santa Lee Majors is still kind of hot. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently Santa thought so too. Um, uh, it was, uh, the, I was watching that and I was like, what the fuck is this like that was immediately that was the perfect beginning to this movie I didn't know that at the time because I didn't know what the hell else was going to come but I just was sitting there kind of just staring at the screen like what the fuck and it was mm-hmm. great and he is the worst person and Bill Murray plays it so well <laughs> yeah I think all the thing about this movie is Bill Murray at his finest is always kind of like a cartoon villain levels of evil. Mm -hmm. He is basically a more charismatic Uncle Frank from Home Alone. So you kind of have to go into this movie with the mindset that you're just going to spend two hours letting yourself have fun with a guy who is clearly the villain. Yeah. Like, this is not a protagonist. This is a bad guy and you have to just be ready to enjoy it. Well, 
it they make it easy because they so like overdo how bad a person is i can't imagine anybody is the type of asshole <laughs> that he is so it's enjoyable at least in that way where it's like it's so ridiculous how bad a person he's supposed to be which i get is the whole point of scrooge and that whole story but <laughs> he after watching the promos, I love his reaction of, uh, I don't remember which, I guess it's just uh, he watches all three of them and then he goes, oh my gosh, does that suck? And I'm like, <laughs> poor people have worked their asses off and that's your reaction to it. Okay, beautiful. Well, <laughs> I actually want to disagree with you on something though. Okay. Scrooge was not necessarily like this. The actual Ebenezer Scrooge was just a guy who didn't want to spend money on anything, including himself. He just kind of hoarded it. Mm -hmm. And this guy is so very much delighting in being an asshole. That's true. He's very proud of his assholeness. He is. He brags about it constantly. Mm -hmm. I mean, unless you're the media, in which case he tries not to. But all of his underlings, he's so excited. They find out later that his Scrooge promo gave an old woman a heart attack. <laughs> and yep. he is so excited about that. Yep. Yep. It's At first, you can't tell what, like, you're not expecting what his reaction is going to be. I thought he was going to get pissed off, you know? Because his face is kind of blank as he starts to react to it. And then you're like, oh my God, he's happy about it. He's so excited about this happening. And mm -hmm. I love that when they, before he is nice to the media about it and is trying to be like, oh yeah, it's an awful thing, really. Um, when his secretary first, um, Grace, when she first tells him that they're on the phone, what should I tell them or whatever they want to, they want to hear from you. He says something about how basically it, it was probably something she ate. It was probably something the old woman ate. And she says that into the phone because she assumes that you're an asshole. So that's your asshole response. And he's just so pissed about it. It's like, what did you think? What did you think she was going to think you wanted her to do? I don't know. That poor dick. woman. I know. <laughs> I will say about her, I usually kind of have a problem with characters like her because she's almost too perfect. But I loved her and I loved I her chemistry with Frank. I like she could her. handle him. She wasn't my favorite character, but close. And yeah, she could oh. handle it. She's like the only one in the world that could handle him, I think. <laughs> yeah. And I loved all of the scenes. I know we'll get to them later, but all of the scenes with her and her family. Like sometimes those scenes you're like, okay, whatever, move on. I actually thoroughly enjoyed them. They were fun to watch. <laughs> they were, and they were mostly cute, except for the one where all of the older siblings were just torturing uh, the her mute son who had yeah. witnessed his father dying. It's like he hasn't even through enough. Yeah, they're, they're dressing him up like a Christmas tree, and he's so sad. Yeah, he's like literally standing there pouting, and they just keep going with it. He reminds me so much of Star from Terminator Four. Oh yeah, good good comparison. I see it. <laughs> yeah. He was an adorable child, and I knew that, like, he was going to be an important thing because they focused on him so much um, from the very beginning, but we'll get there. But I loved, I loved seeing him at the end, too. 
I knew you'd love him so much because you think kids are cute. They are, especially this one. He's adorable. And he still no. wasn't my favorite character. I did good. I, I did a good job choosing a favorite character this time, even though there were a couple of them that I wanted to choose because adorableness. But <laughs> I chose one who was adorable and a good character like to the movie, <laughs> like important nice. to the movie. So um, also... <sighs> Frank has an asshole boss who is probably more of an asshole than Frank is, right? Pretty sure. He is my favorite character. <laughs> oh, of course he is. Because he's more of an asshole than Frank is. He's an asshole, but he's also an idiot. Because yeah. after Frank has fired Elliot for doing the unforgivable, <laughs> aka speaking up to him about how having an explosion in a Christmas Carol advertisement is probably a bad idea. <laughs> Poor Elliot, uh-huh. Mm. And that man is so funny. Oh, but he really is. Go ahead. <laughs> Frank's idiot boss, Preston, mm -hmm. decides to corner him to ask him how many cats there are in the country and insists that they do programming for cats, not solely <laughs> for cats, but just throw in some things that cats enjoy so that yeah. the cats might watch the program too. <laughs> And okay. I think my favorite part of that was, A, that I couldn't tell if he was serious because, like, we just meet him. We don't know what he's all about. So I thought he might have been fucking with Frank just to give him a hard time, like, mm -hmm. actually make him do it, but not because he thinks it's actually going to help or be a good idea, but just to give him a hard time. But he was deadly serious. My question is, of the number of cats that there are in the world, A, how many of them are homeless living on the street cats who don't have access to TVs? And B, how many of them have owners who are going to be like, oh, yes, I'm going to put the TV on for my cat to watch this special show for cats? Well, and you can't <laughs> sell advertising to cats anyway. That's true. That's true. I mean, we're getting there, I think. Some cats are getting really, really smart. So maybe someday. Yeah. But... <laughs> Even more subtly funny, later on, Frank and Preston are having lunch together at this really fancy restaurant, mm -hmm. and the waiter comes and takes away all the silverware while Preston pulls out gold silverware <laughs> from the pockets of his suit jacket and starts to polish them <laughs> with the napkin, and that was Aww. the stupidest, funniest thing I've ever seen. It really was. It was great. Yeah, he was... Um... He was one of those characters who was kind of a side character who wasn't like, like he was important to the story, obviously, but who wasn't a super important character, at least in my opinion. Um, but every time you saw him, it was hilarious. So I appreciated him being there. He was definitely not my favorite character, but he was also definitely not my least favorite character. So yeah, I think he was the character I was expecting the least. And they were jokes that I had never heard before or seen before. Mm -hmm. So I appreciated that. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was unique. His whole character was unique. He was a special yeah. kind of stupid. And <laughs> I think a lot of the humor in this movie kind of comes down to the delivery because I was sitting there trying to choose a favorite line and cracking my head up. Mm. And so many times I wrote down a line that sounded so funny, but then just looking at it, I'm like, that's not funny. <laughs> well, speaking of, um, when he is sending Elliot out, uh, when Frank is send sending Elliot out, um, Elliot still doesn't know that he's going to be fired. He thinks he's done really good for himself. Like, yay, uh, the boss listened to me. He loves me now. Mm -hmm. um, so he's sending him out. And 
Elliot has just told Frank about how, you know, it's too scary that we can't put that trailer out there. It's too scary to scare people. And Frank yells at him, we don't want to scare the dickens out of people. And nobody laughs. And he goes, nobody gets me. We don't want to scare the dickens out of people. And I was like, I get you, Frank. I get you. Like, deep down in my soul, I get you. Hilarious. Mm -hmm. And that's my favorite line of the whole movie. (laughs) Oh, that's the worst. (laughs) Well, and speaking of Elliot, he's also my favorite character of the movie. He felt so bad for him. I feel so bad for him throughout the movie because then we see him get fired and he's sitting there like, it's fine, it's fine. She'll understand. I'll just go home and tell her we need to move into a studio apartment. I'm sure Yeah, see, that's not funny at all, but I was cracking up when he said it. I know, poor thing. And And throughout the movie, uh, they just keep cutting back to him getting slowly worse and worse. (laughs) One of the ghosts steals his flask and another time he gets like rolled and his watch gets stolen yeah he's standing there and the and a taxi cab goes by really fast over a puddle and he gets splashed and then he drops his um i don't know it's a bottle of alcohol i think that he drops and it just breaks so the poor guy just never gets to drink his drink it's like all he wants to do is drink please just leave him alone he's had a bad day and just the world just keeps fucking with him over and over and it was sad but it was hilarious it was. And I believe Elliot's response to the taxi driver with the puddle is calling it a big stinky or a stinky, I think it's a stinky big dog or something like that. And what an insult, Elliot. What an insult. I love you. <laughs> um, I particularly enjoyed Bryce Cummings. He came off is such an asshole the entire time mm-hmm. and even when he first came in he seemed like he was pretending to be nice but it was so very obviously an act and he was so very obviously an ass kisser yep and every single time he came back it was just like douche <laughs> yep <laughs> he played it so well way. yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> he was the perfect level of douche mm-hmm. yeah when he first shows up you're like what's this guy up to and then he just disappears just as quickly as he, like, he comes off of the uh, elevator, tells everyone, you don't mind, you don't mind, just hold the elevator for me. Um, and then quickly talks to Frank and then disappears. And then the second he comes back while they're having lunch, it's just like, oh, oh you're a dick. <laughs> but it's so fun. He's such a fun dick. especially because he has everybody else on his side they all love him because Mm -hmm. frank is such a douchebag and he spends the entire movie acting like he is frank's best friend Mm -hmm. while simultaneously completely insubordinating him to everyone there's a point when frank is having a mental breakdown and bryce has taken over the set and calls for them to go to lunch and he says well i call for them to go to lunch and Bryce <laughs> stops them and says no Frank has an announcement he'd like to make to just to make him look stupid and it's so perfect <laughs> yeah it he's like he's really good at being an asshole to and I like Frank can see right through it but being an asshole to Frank and to anyone I think but playing it off like aren't I a great guy I'm such a great guy you love me I'm a great guy <laughs> it's just you can't hate him like I feel like he should be my least favorite character but he's so enjoyable yeah it was such a delightful portrayal that Mm -hmm. it was impossible to hate him yeah 
I loved James, Frank's brother, though. Me too. He was almost my favorite character. I had to choose between them, and I hated doing that. <laughs> he wasn't in I, the movie enough, though, for me to choose him, I think. I think he was the one who brought the emotional core into it, because on one hand, you kind of see Frank pushing James away, but there's also, like, a real sadness about it. Yeah. Because when they're in scenes together, Frank legitimately seems to want to keep talking to him and to be close to him, but then there's something holding him back. Yeah. And in the original Christmas Carol, Ebenezer has a nephew, and he was close to the nephew's mom who died, but he doesn't seem very close to the nephew, and I think these two having that closer bond makes it better. Mm, yeah. It was, like, I wanted to see more of Frank's past before we had seen the past, <laughs> um, because we meet James, and I was like, I need to know what happened between these two. I want to know, like, what the hell their issue is because James loves Frank he like looks up to him he wants to help him he wants him to be happy and to enjoy Christmas and like to come to his Christmas dinner um and Frank Frank like pushes him away but he isn't an asshole to him the way he's an asshole to everyone else so you know he actually does care about him and so I wanted like immediately I wanted to see more of them yeah I legitimately believe he wanted to go to that dinner. Yeah. Whereas I never believed Ebenezer Scrooge gave two shits about hanging out with Fred. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe Fred should have been a nicer person. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I don't my, know. I don't even know the character. <laughs> my favorite quote happened around then, too. Mm -hmm. uh, Frank is in his office with the secretary figuring things out and then on the wall in the background when he yes. comes out they have a sign that says cross a nail or a thing they nail people to <laughs> yep it's a and, so good yeah. and since his name is frank cross it's perfect <laughs> yep. but even continuing that he's kind of bragging about what happened with elliot james goes you know what they say about treating people badly on the way up? And Frank responds, yep, you get to treat them badly on the way down, too. It's great. You get two chances to rough them up. And so that's bad. this movie. Like, he enjoys being a dick. Mm -hmm. Yep. Oh, yeah. He. Um. I think it's after that when he goes to get a taxi and there's an old woman with these gifts in her hand. And she, she's like, it's her taxi. She's about to get in. And he tells her that she dropped something and then she he gets into the taxi and she tries to like be like oh please sir blah 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 whatever and he flips her off and tells the uh -huh. taxi driver to drive off it's so 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 awful and it's he loves it like he's having a blast with it and so yeah. you can't help but enjoy it as well <laughs> I also have to admit, I laughed when Frank ripped Grace's son's drawing off the wall and oh, said God. it was crap because uh. Mrs. Claus had 11 fingers. <laughs> I was so mad at that. <laughs> I loved it so much. <laughs> that woman has the patience of a saint. Like, she, the fact that she didn't smack him and tell him he, she quit was a miracle. <laughs> I don't know how she, I mean, obviously she also needed the money, but it was that's a lot i mean that wasn't even the worst thing i'm sure he's done to her it definitely isn't the worst thing she's he's done to her but you don't rip somebody's kids drawing off your wall damn it no <laughs> um are we are we at the part where we get to uh start seeing our ghosts 
Uh, we are, and we, of course, start with Lou, who is the Marley of the group. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's my favorite part, I think, uh, because it's when we first start seeing Frank lose his mind. Uh, the door, okay, no, first there's a knock on the door, right? And he goes to open it, and there's nobody there. And then there's, like, an earthquake moment where, like, things shake, there's loud noises, and I enjoy that these, like, weird things are happening. And he yells at the door as he's running away from it or, like, moving away from it and says, this office is closed. This whole wing is closed. I'm like, who are you saying this to? Do you think a person made an earthquake occur just now? (laughs) Do you think that's a possibility? It was such a great reaction to something that clearly was not human you know well yeah i have seen that in evil dead the series well ash versus evil dead the series that is what they do to his trailer and so he's just like they're trying to punch through the wall and he's trying to yell oh no this office is closed like oh i'm sorry i'll come back (laughs) yeah oh i was gonna haunt you and try to kill you but i'll be respectful of the time Uh, it's it's so dumb but it was funny and I enjoyed that that was his reaction and I enjoyed that he is so easily like startled by things I mean not I would be terrified but he's this big badass right and he's so startled by the noises and stuff and it was great okay he is not a badass he is the boss and people have to defer to him if they want to keep their jobs but he cannot handle being criticized in any way that's a good point Um, I just had to throw my word in there somehow. (laughs) He tries to shoot Lou when Lou goes to get a bottle of whiskey. Mm -hmm. And then Lou drinks the whiskey and it pours out of the gunshot holes, even (laughs) the ones up by his shoulder, which is definitely (laughs) not how that works. But okay. Oh, but the best thing is, is that as he's shooting Lou... He's literally actually shooting a gun, which is making gun noises, you know, as guns do. But he's yelling, bang, boom, kabam, as he's doing it. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you, dude? Why are you making gun noises like it's not a real gun in your hand? (laughs) It was ridiculous. After that, though, he seems very casual because Lou's trying to warn him about his immortal soul. Mm-hmm. And he is talking about how he had all this stuff. And he goes, well, women adored me. And Frank is like, well, you paid for the women. <laughs> yep. Like, is this really the time, Frankie? <laughs> it's always the time, damn it. Uh, yeah, he... Uh, I enjoy all of his reactions to every weird thing that happens because there's also a mouse well no first a mouse pushes a golf ball out of the back of Lou's head or neck or wherever it was I think it was the head and he's like making all grossed out faces not scared faces of like oh my god what the hell is this but like grossed out like oh that's not cool (laughs) I'm like okay that's a reaction Mm -hmm. I suppose And I especially love that after the ghost is gone and Frank thinks he's hallucinated it all, the corpse head golf ball is in his drink. Uh-huh. And, and even when he drops it, it just bounces on the floor in front of his face <laughs> till he passes out. Because <laughs> yep. I don't golf, but I don't think golf balls do that. Not not like that, no. <laughs> yeah, I also enjoy that he calls Claire um and as he's leaving a message for her says i know it's been and then he checks his watch and says 
15 years since we talked and it's such an old joke it's such a like used thing to do but it's still funny for some reason and I think it's just because of his acting in all accuracy though he does not call Claire Lou attacks him dangles him by the throat out the window where he begs him not to because people will think he killed himself (laughs) which is a big deal Uh and then when the ghost is about to leave he calls Claire oh that's true good point good point there's a reason for that Lou had plans for Frankie oh that just sounds (laughs) it's special yeah I know um, we get to meet Claire the next day because Frank thinks that he has completely hallucinated this and he is back to his normal self mm-hmm. and he's down on the set of his Christmas play. They're doing a Christmas Carol live and he's getting there are by a censor. <laughs> uh-huh. And I loved it because the censor is upset that you can see one of the dancers areolas mm-hmm. and his response is, I want to see her nipples. Uh-huh. She reminds him that it's a Christmas show, and he says, well, Charles Dickens would have wanted to see her nipples. <laughs> and you know what? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Most men do, yeah. Well, she's wrong anyway, because like you said, it's her areolas you can see, not her nipples. Different. They were nice nipples. <laughs> you can't see the nipples. <laughs> um, yeah, my favorite part of that is that I, I'm calling her the nipple lady. Because why the fuck not? Not the dancer, not the one you can see the nipples of. The uh, one who's saying you can't, you shouldn't show them. Um, she gets hit in the head by some sort of equipment by the guys who are standing there and basically drooling over the nipples. Um, and, and so she gets hit in the head and she falls. And as Frank tells them to get a um, like an ambulance or whatever, um, he says, make sure her nipples are covered, will ya? And that was <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> yeah. And that is where we first meet Claire. And you know what? Mm-hmm. I kind of thought it was cute. Like, she had a really engaging smile. And I think the excitement and chemistry between them in that scene and that moment was actually there. Yeah, there's a few moments, actually, that we see between them that I really thought was cute. That was one of them. I enjoyed that she calls him Lumpy, even though we didn't know what the fuck for yet. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was cute that she had a nickname for him and that... He was a soft boy, sort of, you know, with her. Um, I'll get to the rest later. But yeah, there were a lot of cute moments between them. What? I'll get to it eventually, too, because I think we're both thinking of the same moments. But at that time, it legitimately did seem like I haven't seen you in 15 years. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Like, time travel moment, basically. Yeah, it was really cute. It was really endearing from both of them, but then they both kind of realized that they needed to be other places. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I was expecting for him to, and he kind of does, I guess, but I was expecting him to, at that moment, just really close off from her entirely. But I don't think he does. I think he leaves it open, and I was surprised at that because I didn't think that early on in the movie he was going to be emotional to for anyone you know well i'm not even sure it was emotions yet it was more like yeah totally we should hang out and then mm-hmm. you know they don't <laughs> yeah that's but true. she don't. keeps trying to ask him why did you call me what's wrong and he keeps going oh no you know 
stuff. Something I ate. Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then oh, I, I wish I had written it down, but she gives him her card and says, well, if it happens again, call me here because I'm never at home or whatever. And oh, what does her card say? Do you have it? Do you know it? <laughs> I think it was Operation Reach Out. And that then sounds right. When, they went to, when he went to the building later, it was called Operation Outreach or something. It was. <laughs> and I that don't know why. I don't know why that happened. They just didn't want to make a new card. Maybe. They changed the name and they're like, well, we've already done it. Go with it. No one will notice. Mm-hmm. Aha, except for Novi. Um, yeah, I, I thought, yeah, it had to be Operation Reach Out on the card because it was re- like, it sounded weird, you know? Like, I was like, what? Why is that the name? It, why would you call it Operation Reach Out? That sounds strangely backwards and then I didn't even realize that the door or whatever said the opposite which makes more sense (laughs) it does Mm. but of course he has to go to his meeting with Preston and Bryce being the biggest douche Uh uh-huh and he starts having a total nervous breakdown because there's an eyeball in his drink, but no one else can see it. Mm-hmm. And the waiter just has to sit there with these insane people where there's a guy who's brought his own silverware from home. <laughs> and there's another guy who's shrieking and pulling on his jacket. And he thinks that since the waiter is interacting with him that he must be the ghost that has been foretold to him so he pulls the waiter into his face and says are you him (laughs) and all the waiter responds is are you he (laughs) i love that yeah it's ridiculous he reminds me sorry in that scene he reminds me of your husband whose name i can't remember right now uh, what is your husband's name? Rocky Horror. Oh, Tim Curry. Tim Curry in Oscar, a movie that very few people have seen, but he is like a linguist and that's what he does. People say things incorrectly and he just sits there and goes, that's not correct. This is how you say it. And I was just like, oh my God, this is great that this waiter is reminding me of that character. It was brilliant. <laughs> Anyway, I so. actually liked the scene where the other waiter who was lighting a baked Alaska on fire mm-hmm. ended up setting himself on fire and was like twirling around the restaurant completely engulfed in flame. But Frank was the only person who could see it. Yep. While this like perky ethereal Coraline music played in the background. It was so good. It was weirdly chilling, but not scary. Yeah, it was. It had, it, for me, it was like one of those moments of, can you imagine if you are actually hallucinating, you're sitting there seeing something that crazy happening and everybody else is just sitting there like, this is normal. Same thing with the eyeball, I think, but that scene was a little better. Um, yeah, I wasn't like, oh my gosh, I'm scared of the scene. But if you think about it a little too much, then it becomes a little scary, I think. Mm-hmm. But it was really, really well done. And then that poor waiter gets splashed with a lot of water in his face. Hopefully there was a good tip provided. Yeah, I'm sure there was. <laughs> but when Frank gets out, he runs into a taxi and meets the actual ghost who mm-hmm. is... We've watched it with Tim Curry and we haven't shared that with you yet, but we have watched it. Mm-hmm. He is Tim Curry's Pennywise. The, the voice, the teeth, the screaming. You cannot tell me. 
I love him. <laughs> I love that. I don't even know. I'm sure I've seen the actor someplace at some point. But I loved him so much. The acting was brilliant for this crazy ass ghost. Um, and okay, I don't know why. Maybe you can explain this to me. Something about him was attractive. I think it was the accent. A little. So, it was weird. I was like, oh, the teeth and the no, everything is just bad. Why is this attractive? But I think yeah. mainly it was the accent. <laughs> He was wildly energetic and very gross, and mm-hmm. he had such good chemistry with Frank. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I Mostly, I think my favorite part of them together was when they are at Frank's show where he is a dog, because that's, why not? Um, and <laughs> the ghost is enjoying it so much. He loves this show. He's more excited than the kids in the audience at this show. And that made me so happy for some reason. Yeah. It was the it was not expected and it was great. My favorite was when they went to Frank's uh childhood home and mm-hmm. they found out that Frank's parents were both heavy smokers and not particularly involved. Mm-hmm. And after they leave, because, you know, Frank has already gotten his Christmas present of veal. Yep. And Frank <laughs> is trying to justify to the ghost how expensive that veal is. Yep. And how he should have appreciated it more. <laughs> yeah. The ghost responds, let's face it, Frank, garden slugs got more out of life than you did. And his response was, name one. <laughs> yep. I also enjoy that the dad, even though he was such an asshole, complains about how he spends all day hearing excuses from people about why they can't work, such as they have bad backs, their legs hurt, or whatever, and I'm only four. (laughs) What the fuck? It was great. And yeah, I enjoy that the mom was supposed to be, like, the good character between the the two parents, at least, because she at least loved her son. Um... And like made it made Frank cry to see her and all that kind of stuff. But she's sitting there smoking cigarettes. I guess it's a different time. I guess people just did that anyway. But she is pregnant with James at the time and smoking cigarettes. So mm-hmm. that's a special thought to have in 2020, I think. <laughs> well, yeah, but they didn't have the money to buy him a train. Mm-hmm. So they're just going to smoke until their kids are too stupid to want anything? Yes. <laughs> Because, you know, you know what's way more expensive than uh, cigarettes? Trains. <laughs> Maybe cigarettes are cheaper ones. I don't know. Mm. I also um, was trying to figure it out. I didn't care enough, as shitty as that sounds, to, to like rewind a few seconds to check for sure. But I'm pretty sure based on how far back they go and that he was supposed to be four in that past memory that Frank is supposed to be about 30 in current time. Oh, God. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was correct. And sure he is. Sure. Absolutely. That's a 30. You know what? 30-year-olds might have looked like that back then. (laughs) They didn't do a lot of de-aging in this movie. So Mm. even though he was supposed to have met Claire 15 years ago, when they run into each other, they're in the past, they have a (laughs) legit meet-cute. They bonk their heads, they giggle and flirt. It was adorable. Yeah. 
And they give her pretty long hair and like brighter lipstick and she looks so much younger and they give him like a rock style turtleneck and the same hair and he looks about 54. Yep. <laughs> I, to be fair, I'm not sure you could make Bill Murray look young. Ever. He could have been 15 and he probably still would have looked like he was 40. He just has one of those faces. Yeah, and I think that's kind of the problem with this storyline is you're supposed to be looking at it and guessing things. And I'm like, okay, when he is the dog, was mm. he playing the dog when he was 21 and just trying to make it? Or was he like a 40-year-old man <laughs> to get that job? Yeah, hard to tell. <laughs> like, make, either make way, turtlenecks are not for you, Bill Murray. No, they're really not. They're so bad. Not hair either. The longer, like, really no. curled hair. Yeah, that's really bad, too. Uh, I guess we're just going to rip Bill Murray to shreds. Poor man. <laughs> no, the movie could have done something to denote him as being more of a youth. Mm -hmm. And I feel like everything they tried to do to make him look younger made him look older. <laughs> oh. It was a challenge, I'm sure, for the makeup looked, and hair crew. <laughs> he looked younger in the suit than he did in the turtleneck. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's a special thing for to happen to a person. Mm -hmm. Um, But Frank and Claire's meet-cute was adorable. I liked finding out about the whole lumpy nickname thing. That was cute. Um, I thought they were cute in the house, too, where she's just trying to, like, take a bath. And he's trying to open Christmas presents and he's like, when can we open them? And she comes out and says, you can only open one and then, you know, the rest of your Christmas day, blah, blah, blah. And then they sit there and they open their presents to each other. And he got her knives, which I guess every woman wants knives. Why not? And then she got him a Kama Sutra book, which was fine. I didn't have a problem with that. You guys do you. My problem was when they started to do like, lassie sex play yeah i think that was just supposed <laughs> to be for the transition into the dog scene but i, I also so. didn't like it yeah it was very very strange like it was cute for a bit and then she started to bark and i was like okay but now end it because she's barking and then they kept going with it and i was like okay no 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 <laughs> mm -hmm. again you guys do you but it was very strange i did like his I've never liked a girl enough to give her 12 sharp knives quote. Mm -hmm. And I do think that was kind of a love languages issue. Like, I think he legitimately thought that getting her knives were a thoughtful gift because his experience in gifts was neat. <laughs> yep. So it's like, no, look, this is useful. I thought of what you would use and mm -hmm. like, they're really nice knives too. Like cut, cut through cans. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he wasn't, I think back then he was not an asshole. He clearly loved her. He was so happy to be with her. And he was even trying to do the Christmas thing, which was not a thing he got to do with his family, clearly. So it was, it showed a lot of his emotions. And I think she saw it too, then. But then we saw a different side of their relationship. <laughs> And I'm very curious to know what you think of it, because after he has finished his dog costume show mm -hmm. and he is covered in human liquid, and it's <laughs> disgusting, 
gross. And they someone brings him a towel and he never uses the towel. No, please use the it towel. Hurts me. Uh-huh. <laughs> they have a conflict because he has she has promised and he has agreed that they're going to have Christmas Eve dinner with their best friends. Mm-hmm. And his boss and his boss's mistress uh-huh. invite them out with them. Yeah. And I can see both sides of the story because she insists these are our best friends. Why don't, why would you not prioritize that? And his response is, this is my career. If they're our best friends, can't we just have dinner with them anytime we want? Yeah, exactly. And I'm kind of on his side because it seems like a huge opportunity for him. And like, I, you are my best friend and you know, I hate when people cancel plans on me, Mm -hmm. but if you called me and said, my boss who could fix my life so I'm not a mascot anymore (laughs) yeah wants me to go out with him and if I do I'm probably going to get a promotion I would be so mad if you showed up at my house and said (laughs) I wanted to spend time with you so I just said no it's like you idiot (laughs) you could have taken me to nicer places for dinner if you got the promotion bitch No, but it's just like, if these people are really your friends, they will understand because it doesn't seem like something that has happened a lot. It doesn't seem like she's resigned to the fact that he's not prioritizing her again. Yeah. It legitimately sounds like this might be the first time they've had this conversation. Yeah. And she refuses to compromise for him. And Mm -hmm. in the original Christmas Carol, like Ebenezer is completely in the wrong. He's treating the girl as a trophy and mm. she is not feeling loved. And I don't think in this situation, either of them is really wrong. They're just not connecting on the same level. And we're supposed to believe he's wrong in every situation because he's the bad guy. But yeah. I feel like she's not being a supportive girlfriend in this situation. Yeah, 100%. This is when I started to dislike Claire. It didn't stop there. It's just where it started. Um, well, it just hurts because I thought for once someone named Claire was just going to work <laughs> oh for me. Oh my god, why? <laughs> what is it with the curse of the Claires? Holy shit. I didn't even realize that with her name. But yeah, I was so mad at her for reacting that way. Like, I, okay, I would have been fine with if she said, you know what, you're right. This is an important opportunity. I want you to go. I'm going to go hang out with our friends. I'm going to go to the dinner. I'll explain to them like how big and important and important a thing this was to you and that you just couldn't, there was no way you could have gotten out of it. They'll understand you go do this. I would have even been fine with that, but she like acts like he's doing something so awful. And maybe it's because personally I don't really give a shit about Christmas dinner you know or anything like that and I wouldn't I wouldn't want to go to someone's house for Christmas dinner and do all of that I mean I do with my family but anyway um so maybe it was that that I didn't understand the importance of it but yeah they're your friends if they're your best friends you can just go see them next week or the week after or fucking whenever go the next day or go the next day after that it doesn't have to be right then well and i do care about christmas and i also think that these people probably did make some kind of plans or effort or work to make a christmas thing for him that he is also skipping now Mm -hmm. but 
it would have helped, I think, if this had been shown to be the straw that broke the camel's back. Mm-hmm. But every other scene that we have seen of them has been him prioritizing her. And now they're acting like he's been neglecting her for years. Yeah, exactly. And I don't even think she plays it like that. I think she they, they both play it like this is the first time this argument has come up. Mm-hmm. And she she's not a woman who's at the end of her rope. This is her response to the first time that he has asked her to prioritize his career over their social life. Mm-hmm. And her reaction is a bit much because I don't think Frank realizes it, but she says we need to take some time apart, which is where, at the very least, going on a break. <laughs> and that's shit. Yeah. And he uh, he doesn't realize it because he says he'll try to go by, like, after if he can. So he's even still like, okay, let me go to this dinner and see if I can come, you know, stop by afterwards or whatever. And she just stands there like this is the last time she's going to see him. So clearly in her mind, she's breaking up with him. And that's fine. That's your choice. But that shouldn't be a big enough reason, especially like you said, it's the first time it's happening. That should not be a big enough reason to break up with him. And it's wildly manipulative to have one disagreement and then use that as a thing to say, oh, well, we're breaking up if you don't do what I want you to do. Yeah. Yep. That's when I started to dislike Claire. Yay! She's my least favorite character. Oh. (laughs) Uh, There will be more reasons why. And all of the rest of it is current time shit about Claire. Because... Claire is, I think you were saying this about um, Grace, and while yes, Grace, I think is supposed to be like, can't do any wrong character, I think Claire is also supposed to be that. She's supposed to be so giving and so caring and so loving that she even comes to Frank to try to help him out and all of that, but he stands there and very rudely at at her... um, what is it, reach out, outreach thing, (laughs) and yells at her volunteer, I was going to say employees, but volunteers, um, about how they are incompetent, they can't do anything, they shouldn't be asking her to do it, you should go to dinner with me, and blah, 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 and he's just being such a dick, which, you know, that's what he does. And she just is like, oh, no, they're volunteers, and it's okay. Oh, no, I have to go handle this. But if you just wait one second, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, oh, my God, fuck off. He's a dick. Tell him he's a goddamn dick. Like, why are you letting him treat your people this way? Fuck that shit, you know? And I started to get really pissed at her. Like, why are you constantly trying to be with this man who is the literal opposite of everything that you're supposed to be or want or whatever? And it really made me mad. I don't know why. It's probably unfair that it made me that mad. but Especially because her reaction to his bad behavior is not as bad as his bad behavior. Mm-hmm. But what I hated about it was that he was calling them incompetent. And she was like, well, they're just volunteers. Like, So you're saying they're yeah, incompetent. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah, she was... It was like, I'm such a great person. Look at what a great person it is. I am. Look at everything that I'm doing here. I'm so responsible. And I, if it weren't for me, this whole thing wouldn't be able to happen and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like, you want to be a great person? Don't let somebody mistreat the people that are volunteering for your fucking shelter. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> I loved the bums in the shelter, though. They, they automatically so just assumed that Frank was an actor. Mm-hmm. And they just like huddled him and were like... <laughs> 
say lines from your movie, actor man. <laughs> Come on, dick. <laughs> it was so good. They yeah. were so adorable, though. They just like the the. I don't remember any of their names, sadly. I I don't remember the the female one's name specifically something with an a i think but she like cuddles up on him and she's like please do it for me dick and i was just like oh that's adorable well and they assume that frank is there i mean he's wearing a business suit but he comes in talking to himself (laughs) angrily vacillating wildly in pitch so they assume that he's come in off the street having some kind of a conniption Mm mm-hmm and he is, because when he gets back from the past, he's on the set of the Christmas Carol that they are filming. Mm-hmm. Belle and Ebenezer are breaking up, and she says she hopes that Ebenezer is happy with the path he's chosen. Mm-hmm. And Frank yells back, well, I am happy with the path I've chosen, you little bitch. <laughs> and it's so amazing. Yeah. In general, the transitions between his like ghostly visions and the taping of the Christmas Carol really go together well. They do, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was... I enjoy that everybody thinks that he's some crazy person that snuck on set, too, when he gets there. And then they're like, oh, it's Frank. We're so... Uh, I think it was specifically Bryce. He's like, we've been so worried about you. We've been looking everywhere for you. It's like, no, you haven't. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> but it's perfect because he knows that Bryce is so slimy but he is going insane and Bryce mm-hmm. is acting completely kind to him the entire time mm-hmm. <laughs> he has the cast give him a round of applause at one point <laughs> he does <laughs> I I love that man he's a bully <laughs> on a whole new level yeah and whoever that actor is I don't think I know him um I definitely don't know his name, but he plays it really, really well. Like he, it's a weird thing to say, but he looks like a sleaze. And so yeah. immediately you buy it anyway, but then he plays the role really well too. Mm-hmm. What, a, what a great compliment we've had for all of the character <laughs> or actors in this movie. Well, huh? <laughs> he does have a habit of playing the villain in a mm. lot of things. And okay. I feel like, just lean into it, man. It works for you. <laughs> yeah, he probably would take that as an actual compliment then. Hey, you look sleazy. Thank you. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, um, and Bill Murray's facial expressions throughout this movie are so good because there's a point, I don't remember when exactly it is, but when he's really starting to lose his mind, his lip, his upper lip does a weird twitchy thing. And it's so, it's so good. It's like... <laughs> You can just look at him and go, oh, this man is not well right now, before he even starts yelling and screaming all over the place. Yeah. Um, After he leaves Claire's thing, and uh-huh. he has gone back to set, and Bryce has thoroughly emasculated him, mm-hmm. he meets the ghost of Christmas present, who is Carol Kane, who, who I adore. Yes. I was so excited to find that find out that she was in this movie. It's like, yay! <laughs> and she's so young here. I'm not used to seeing her young. <laughs> or that perky, either. <laughs> yeah, her whole shtick is just like ballerina fairy violence. And I don't know <laughs> how much I loved it with her coming in just like Glinda the Good Witch and giving raspberries and hitting people with posters. <laughs> oh. But... 
she pulls it off. She does, and that line, the bitch hit me with a toaster, is yeah. so special. You you can never hear that line again. <laughs> no. Um, her earrings are little bubbles, and I adore them. Like, yeah, I love aw. them. I didn't even They're notice super that. Cute. There's a, there's like a graphic novel, I don't remember what it's called, but there's a graphic novel that has a, the like I think it's the main character I haven't actually read it but um the cover of it has a main uh, or a character on it that looks like the cartoon version of her in this role and it's oh. so cute <laughs> now I have to go look it up because I have to share that with you but you know later yeah um this is where we find out that Calvin saw his dad get murdered right in front of him and yeah. that he like the tv likes to tell us mute people are is some kind of a technological genius because mm-hmm. he can figure out this uh particular toy when all his siblings can't yeah and that is the first thing that i think really hit frank in this movie that made him care about anything where it's just like he did not like finding out that the secretary that he avoided giving bonuses to mm. had how many children I didn't count them no, and that no, one no. of them is very sick and not well and mm. and that he had not allowed her to go to the doctor's appointment or tried not to anyway well, I had tried to make her work extra instead of taking him to the doctor Though, when he ends up going to James's apartment, mm. he finds out that when they were deciding, because he was dictating to her, based on his list, who got a branded bath towel and who got a VCR, uh-huh. when he finds out that Grace gave James the, and I quote, top of the line VCR. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> Even, hey, I take after, one now. Uh-huh. even after seeing how she lived and feeling that sort of sympathy toward her, mm-hmm. he starts yelling about firing Grace for <laughs> giving him the VCR, Ew. even after seeing it. So I'm like, oh, so you learned nothing or the scenes <laughs> would not have been in this order. Yeah. If the scenes had been in the opposite order, that would have made, made more sense. of a difference. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoy... James's reaction to the VCR and how his wife is like, oh, when are you going to learn that he's never going to come to your Christmas dinners and like just give up on that and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, never. He's my brother. And I'm like, yeah, why would you say that to him? Clearly he loves his brother. And while yes, his brother is an asshole, A, maybe that's a conversation you should be having with your husband when your friends aren't there. And B, who the hell asks like, what nice person, because I'm assuming she's supposed to be a nice person, asks their husband, like, when are you going to give up on your brother already? Shit, he's never going to show up. It's like, okay, he's not going that far out of his way to invite him. Just let him do it if it makes him feel good, you know? Yeah. I thought it was a weird reaction to that. And it, his pout was, like, I wanted to hug him all the time. James was very close to being my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> And in the original Christmas Carol, the nephew winds up mocking Ebenezer at the party and then he feels unwelcome. Mm. That never happened. I loved so much more 
that it didn't happen and that it wasn't like, oh, well, you mocked me. It was like, you legitimately want me here and I really want to be here because Frank is having so much fun at this party. Yeah. And for him to stand there because the ghost is trying to say, okay, it's time to go. And he's like, no, I don't want to leave. Yeah. It, it hit so much better and so much different and later on when he finds out that what his brother gave him was a homemade picture frame with a picture of them as baby children i mean it was a shitty picture frame like you did not (laughs) you put no effort in hey leave james alone okay Yeah, but he he made it, and not only that, he wrote a note on the picture frame that said, to the best brother, or something like that. I was just like, no, he's not. That's so cute that you love him so much. My heart, my heart can't take it. Yeah, and it's around that time that I started feeling like they didn't need that. I think they could have gotten away with this movie if Claire had just been like an old friend that taught him about charity toward other people mm-hmm. and like forgiveness for the past and the big like finale love had been the love of family and him yeah. making amends with his brother. But no, that didn't happen. We'll see what did happen. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> um, they go from James's house to the sewers, mm-hmm. and ugh, this is a hard scene to watch. They find Herman, one of the shelter guys, dead, mm-hmm. and it was particularly good because they didn't go overboard with the corpse. He was just sitting there, frozen, smiling. Yeah, I think that and made it sadder, actually. So I'm glad that the that's, smile. Yeah, I'm glad that that's what they went with because it hit harder because. He wasn't a big enough character in the movie for me to, like, be like, oh, Herman, no. But the smile, the, like, pureness on his face made me feel bad. It didn't matter who he was, you know? It wasn't about him. It was about Frank's reaction to him of first trying to make jokes and then getting progressively more desperate to not be upset and then touching his arm and then just having that flash of the most intense grief before screaming at him that it's Mm -hmm. his fault because he should have gotten help. Yeah. It was not the correct thing to say, of course, but it was showing that he was starting to actually have the feelings. Yeah. How dare they give Frank the feelings? (laughs) Yeah. It it really got me. Aw. Hey, they got you. They must have done shit really right if they got you. <laughs> uh-huh. You you have you have no heart, so I'm surprised and I'm happy. Yeah, it was uh, it was basically I feel like it was the point where you know the movie's coming to an end because even though not really, but but coming close to an end anyway because he starts even though we saw him have feelings for his brother and like all of that kind of stuff, that was kind of like the turning point for Frank. And I think that it's an interesting thing to be the turning point for him. It's a different thing, though, because having feelings because your brother is in a bad way is different than having feelings, or your secretary, than having feelings that some homeless guy that you met one time died. Yep. 
Like it's easy to care about people that you know and speak to and interact with constantly. Yeah. It's hard to care about people who are just there and you know they're there, but it's harder to care about them because you don't ever experience them. Yeah, you don't actually know them. Yeah. Yeah. And you can tell that that was the turning point for Frank because when he gets back to the studio after that, he's completely he's having another mental breakdown mm -hmm. and Bryce is again trying to make himself look nice and Frank look mm -hmm. crazy and Grace and Bryce are walking Frank to the elevator and telling him to just go to his office and calm down mm -hmm. and this was the biggest of Frank's moments for me oh okay the elevator doors open and the character the ghost of Christmas future from mm -hmm. the show they're putting on is standing there yeah Frank knows it's there for him. It is a skeleton. It's like nine feet tall. It's terrifying. Mm -hmm. He throws himself in front of Grace, pushes her out of the way, tells her to go back to the set and that it's there for him, not her. Oh. That was a huge deal. That was a big, yeah. In the past, he would have just thrown her in the way and ran. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And the fact that he went out of his way to protect her from something that he thought was a legitimate threat that could hurt her. Mm -hmm. was a big deal for that character yeah and it's something that i never would have expected especially from for her it's yeah. one thing for him to care about the mute child which i feel like they often in christmas carols ebenezer cares about tiny tim yeah it's another thing for him to try and protect his secretary who about five minutes before he was yelling about firing because <laughs> he sent the wrong present <laughs> yeah yeah that was a big deal i also enjoyed that he's scared of that and then it ends up just being a character and that bryce is like oh you're scaring him or whatever like get on set mm -hmm. and that he like realizes like oh shit <laughs> like that wasn't like he knows it's coming still like clearly it's gonna happen but that that wasn't it that he re it's like he's realizing that he's losing his mind even though he knows these things are actually also happening to him you know yeah uh i i think i'm jumping ahead of a little bit of something but the real christmas future ghost was disappointing to me yes I wanted so much for it to be another character that was fun and funny and enjoyable. And then it was just like a cloak that said nothing. Well, that is the typical ghost of Christmas future type thing. Uh -huh. And I enjoyed that its face was a TV. Yeah, that, that but was good. <laughs> the previous two ghosts, the Christmas past and Christmas present... Mm. were significantly different than the source material and all of the adaptations that we've seen. Mm. Like, they're not usually toaster ballerinas or whatever <laughs> that guy was driving a taxi cab. A New Yorker. And <laughs> this was a very, very typical Ghost of Christmas Future. I mean, it looked very similar to the one that they had in the show. Ah, yeah, it did. Yeah, and, and it, I was a little disappointed by that. Yeah, I wanted it to be better. Like, I don't care what the original or whatever the other adaptations make the characters be. I wanted, because past and present were so good, I wanted future to be good, too. Like, it felt like it was leading up to this really great thing, and then I was just like, huh, that's it? Well, 
My problem with Future wasn't that the character didn't talk, because Future has always been more about Ebenezer kind of making his own way and understanding the part he's played in this and what could happen. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Future was so rushed compared to Past and Present, and Bill yeah. Murray didn't have anyone to play off of. True, yeah. So he was just um, standing there yelling. <laughs> He was. And it worked good in some places and worse in others. I actually have a question about one of the places, but I think we have to backtrack just a little bit before we get there. We do. Because Elliot comes back. Dear yes, sweet Elliot. Frank, Frank is sitting in his office trying to calm down and prepare himself mentally for the ghost that may or may not be coming. Mm-hmm. And Elliot comes back with his shotgun quoting Bugs Bunny. <laughs> And reloading his shotgun and shooting messily and drunkenly while off-key wailing Santa Claus is coming to town. Oh, God. Oh, God. It was so good. He should be... There should be a whole movie off of this character being the actual villain in something. Someone who has completely lost his fucking mind and goes around killing people randomly. Or maybe not randomly, but like specific people who have wronged him, you know? But exactly like that, singing Christmas songs off-key in his screechy-ass voice, reloading his shotgun, walking like real slowly too. (laughs) It was so, so, so good. He would never, ever even consider shooting people who hadn't wronged him randomly. That's true, yeah. So it had to be people who had wronged him. And I'm sure there have been many. <laughs> it could end mm. with his wife, who took his kid from him. I think it was a kid. I think he said well, kid. The hard part about that is, though, mm. we don't know exactly how the movie ends. Mm-hmm. Because... Frank gets to stay on air and do a beautiful speech that we'll get to, and people love it. Yeah. Um, Elliot's absolutely still going to jail and losing <laughs> his family. Like, yeah. oh, what are you going to say? I-, I was going to be fired, and I know that that whole thing happened, but then I shot up my workplace and held a bunch of people hostage, and I- now yeah. we're fine, right? No, we are not fine. <laughs> he might be put in an insane asylum, actually, with how crazy he was at the end there. Because that didn't Maybe. feel to me like it was just, I'm drunk. That felt like you've lost your fucking mind. That this is who you are now. Maybe a little yeah. less shotgunny at certain points when he's not drunk, but he's still crazy. Speaking of the insane asylum, though. Mm-hmm. In the future, the first place that Frank goes is to a mental institution where Calvin is has been institutionalized. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, they don't say what's wrong to him, and people who are selectively mute don't get committed for not talking. Yeah. Well, maybe- so, what did he do? Yeah, I was gonna say, maybe he lost his mind. Maybe he just went crazy and just started killing people i i want so many spin-offs of this movie suddenly i will say that kid in the mental institution looked even more like star hmm i don't remember specifically what he looked like there but i believe it i 
don't think that made any sense. I feel yeah. like that was just like, oh, we have to throw something at the wall. It makes sense that Tiny Tim was sick and might have died. Mm. Maybe, so maybe this is just what Frank thinks happens to mute people. So they're showing it, I mean, him what it he could be. Yeah, this all was very much like a Frank's worst nightmare sort of thing. Yeah. It, none of it seemed like it was realistic to what the characters actually would have done. Yeah, like Grace never would have put her kid in a nut house. So in my mind, he is put there probably because he got a weapon and went out and tried to do some justice against the people who killed his father. Hmm. Not mad at it because <laughs> that would get you in a nut house. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that, may, um, yeah, and that could make sense. I still do think that because of everything that he sees, I think it doesn't matter if it makes sense or not because these are just the things that he thinks are going to happen. Because we also see Claire. Lazy. But but think about what happens to Claire. Does that make any fucking sense that that Frank tells her to fix herself first, and so she's going to become the biggest bitch in the entire universe? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. To that extreme level, too. Yeah. She's, you know who she made me think of? Fucking Cruella DeVille. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, she was, uh, she was the Cruella DeVille of of his fantasy of what was going to happen in the future. Yeah, um, she also looked 900 years old and was wearing so much makeup that it looked like a stage mask. So much white makeup her skin was not yeah. that white why was that the choice they made i, I guess it just know. made her look older i don't know but the only thing of the future that i actually enjoyed was frank's funeral mm-hmm. where at first he walks in and he's upset that james is possibly dead mm-hmm. and then when he realizes it's him in the casket and that he's about to be cremated mm-hmm. he starts pulling at it and begging jimmy don't let them burn me and yeah i felt things again was that woman james's wife yeah except okay. you know she didn't look anything like james's wife anymore no she was like blonde suddenly and looked nothing like her and so I was very confused that was like my biggest question of the movie was like who the fuck was that woman was that supposed to be their mom or something because too young to be their mom who is this (laughs) I don't know who it was supposed to it was probably supposed to be her probably (laughs) oh maybe it was supposed to be that woman that worked for Frank who clearly wanted to suck his dick well, yeah, but then why would he assume when he saw her standing at a casket that James, that James had died? That's true. Yeah, so no, it was probably James's wife. Anyway, yeah, that was a very powerful scene to watch. And then he ends up in the casket being burned, like, while he's alive. And that was terrifying. Yep. But then he wasn't anymore. He was fine. Yep. <laughs> I mean... He thinks he's fine until he walks out and there's a shotgun at his face. True. And this is how much you can tell that Elliot is unprepared to shoot him. Mm-hmm. Frank is within shooting range and like gets close to him and hugs him and <laughs> yeah. just starts going insane. And instead of going, okay, good, I'll just shoot him still. He yeah. doesn't. Nope. Well, the same thing with the before like earlier when uh he's leaning against the elevator and he is i think elliot is trying to get to the end of the line in the song so he like it's like he it's like he's like oh i'm in a movie 
I'm going to sing this song all the way to the end of the line, and then I'm going to shoot you because it just sounds better. And then the elevator door is open, and so he doesn't get to shoot him. And I'm just like, there was there was still enough time for you to shoot him before the elevator doors closed. No elevator doors close that fast. <laughs> well, yeah, but he is no Kevin McAllister. He can't pull off. Merry <laughs> Christmas, filthy animal. Uh, no, there wasn't time. No. But yeah, but- he hugs him, and he's crazy, and now we've got two crazy people. And he yells, are you glad to see me or is that a shotgun in your pocket? (laughs) Which is awful. So good. (laughs) Um, Also awful. A few sentences later, the Jews taught me this great word. Oh, gosh, yes. (laughs) It's like, oh, back when they could still use the statement, the Jews. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the good old days. I'm kidding. I'm not racist. Please don't send, don't like try to kill me. Um, yeah, uh, I, I love that basically he tells him that he's going to give him his job back and he's going to give him like double the salary and he's going to give him an office. And he says, do you want my office? And he says, no. Yeah, And it's, he's just, he can't help but be honest, which is great. Yeah. Um, Frank gets himself on air to give a huge speech mm-hmm. about uh, about is a hard thing because it starts off as like a you should be thankful for other people also I'm an asshole yes and then it just spirals from there mm-hmm. he's only allowed to stay on air because of course his new <laughs> friend Elliot has held the entire room hostage <laughs> Um, and tied up first, Bryce. <laughs> and I don't like that. I don't enjoy that the censor lady at the end just yes. decides that she's going to assault him. And we find out later during the credits that he was into it, but it still felt gross because she had no consent on that. Yeah, I wrote the exact same thing. I'm like, it is not okay to molest this man. You cannot just do that because you want to fucking fuck him. Like, he, he needs to say okay. That's just how it works. <laughs> Yeah, but and again, later on time. we find out that he, okay, he's into it, but, but I didn't think that's story. how they were playing it. Yeah, they will play it like that in the older movies, especially mm-hmm. where when somebody is tied up, some woman that's either really fat or really ugly and mousy will just be like mm, all yeah. over them. Yep, and it's not cute. Nope, not cute. Different um, time. Maybe they thought it was cute back then. Yeah, <laughs> still wasn't, um, but yeah. He's holding them all hostage, and he tells the boss, Preston, that mm-hmm. it was all Bryce's idea to let uh, Frank on the air at all, mm-hmm. and also that Bryce is sexually attracted to him. <laughs> yeah, but I don't also like... thinks he smells like farts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't like that um, Preston's reaction to that was to kick one of their many, many, many cats. Not cool, dude. Um, but yeah they have a lot of cats and I also enjoy that his wife was sitting there like shushing him because he's yelling and it's just like no no stop I'm watching the TV it's just rich people wonderful Mm -hmm. (laughs) Elliot shotgun goes off and then he yells that was just an innocent window you saw what I did to that which (laughs) is perfect Yes, Frank has his whole speech about uh, everything and whatever Mm -hmm. Um, but he asks the baby if he forgot something because he comes out onto the camera. So cute, yeah. 
And oh. Calvin reminds him, because we've seen Calvin many times get all excited about the God bless us every one quote. Mm-hmm. And I would have liked it better if he had said it on camera, but no. Yeah. It's okay. He says it, kind of. He, like, whisper says it to Frank, and that's all that matters, because it changes everything for Frank in that moment. <laughs> and that should have been the ending. That okay. should have been the end cap moment. Yeah. Of the kid saying that. I'm not saying it even should have ended there. I'm saying that maybe the Claire thing should have happened first if it was going to happen. And then he should have come out after. Yeah, because in his speech about everything, he also talks about how it's mistletoe. It's the law, really. She has to kiss me. She's just obeying the law about this random dancer chick who pulls her pulls him in by the tie and makes out with him. And then Claire's just like, oh, Frank, I love you. Like, the fuck? He just made out with another woman. Like, maybe that's just me, but I don't want your lips anywhere near me when they've just been on another woman. Like, you love me. You are trying to get me back. That's not the fucking way to do it. (laughs) I think all of the times in this movie that they had an extra woman, like the woman who worked for him that was rubbing his shoulders after the they found out the woman died mm. or the dancer with the nipples it should have all been the same woman and he should have had a couple of moments with her and i don't think that claire had to be the one mm. i liked her in this movie as a friend or like a person from his past that he learned something from and yeah. the like thank you for this yeah but i don't like them as a couple and i think that if they wanted to have a romantic interest it should have been a new one because it's the kind of thing of just like the assumption of soulmates Mm. like a person that you had life in common with when you were 20 and then not talking to them for 15 years and assuming you still have a life in common with them yeah that's not how it works at all no she is not going to appreciate him for who he is he's not going to appreciate her for who he is the first time that he wants to ditch something for a work event she won't go for it the first Mm -hmm. time that he wants to do something and she says oh well i can't I have to call these people about a ham that they didn't send us. (laughs) Yeah. He's not going to go for it. And I would have liked to see him get a partner that fits with him today Mm -hmm. rather than go back to a mismatched puzzle piece and go, well, yeah, but I used to be in love with you. I wanted it to end with him making out with that random dancer girl. I didn't need to know anything more about her. I didn't need to see if they were good for each other or not. It didn't have to go that far. But she seemed legitimately interested in him. Like, maybe it was the, like, you're powerful and uh, what you're doing right now is hot thing. I don't know. Whatever it was, she was clearly interested in him, and he was clearly interested in her. I would have been happy just being like, yeah, they're going to go bone now. Cool. If a relationship comes out of that, awesome. If it doesn't, who cares? Like, that made more sense to the ending. He had enough relationships built with everyone else there was Elliot there was Grace there was his brother there were there was like all of this even his boss even Preston is not upset with what happens here he's excited about it because it's doing well like what he just did even though it was fucked what he the way that he did it worked and people were loving it you know 
So even mm-hmm. he is going to have a fine relationship with Frank, probably better than they ever had. So he had all of that. And he and Grace, I mean, not Grace, Claire, could have ended up being friends at the end. She didn't need to be there, as far as I'm concerned. There was no point for her at the end. No, and it felt shoehorned in because they had a connection in the past. Mm. They did not have a connection in Christmas present. No. And forcing it on us makes me hate it even more. Yes. Um, at the end, they're singing Put a Little Love in Your Heart. <laughs> uh-huh. And he sees all of the ghosts boogieing down. Yes. And that's when I realized that even though all of this shit happened, Herman's super dead uh, still. Yeah. Like he legit died. Poor guy. Yeah. And I know that's one of the things that he saw with the ghost of Christmas present, but I also assumed that that was something that could have been changed. Yeah. And it wasn't, he was just, you know, still smiling, chilling with the dead people. I'm like, Oh no. Even <laughs> though I didn't personally care that much about Herman because he wasn't like a full character. Uh-huh. It didn't cross my mind that he was still going to die. Yeah. Yeah, because everybody else is okay. Everything else that we saw being things that could happen or had happened or whatever changed because he changed, because Frank changed and he learned things. But that one wasn't going to change. That was, poor Herman was going to be dead no matter what. Well, yeah, and imagine how much more uh, good guy points he could have gotten if instead of going, hey, my girlfriend, uh, (laughs) do you want to come to the studio and bone me? If he had been like, hey, I'm not going to tell you how I know this, but Herman's probably sleeping underground. Do you want to see if he's okay? <laughs> yeah. Ah, nah. But it wouldn't have been such a fulfilling ending. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was way more fulfilling for it to be like, hey, I just made out with another woman. Come on out onto camera. Let me introduce you to the world. And also, you love me now, right? <laughs> You can be the second woman that I make out with on camera <laughs> in this particular segment. <laughs> and you it's know like what? The Bachelor. Oh God, no! I refuse to let you talk about the Bachelor on our fucking podcast. No, um, I'm realizing though, the more we talk about it, that I really, really ship Frank and Answer Chick. I think it would have <laughs> been so cute. That's how they should have gone. It was really adorable between them. Well, and I don't think it would have taken a lot to set it up. They could have cut out a few other characters to just make it the same girl. Yeah. She could have been Nipple Girl. Yeah. Perfect. I'm sure Charles Dickens would have wanted to see her nipples. (laughs) Yeah, and all of the other dancers as well. We know. Um, (laughs) Yeah, the fact that they're all singing Put a Little Love in Your Heart at the end, though, and... You have actual singers in this who can sing and you can hear them and they sound great. But then you also have Bill Murray who cannot sing, who is no. scream singing over them. And it was still wonderful. It, it was awful it was and wonderful. Yeah. Um, it was it was a happy ending that I was okay with. I'll, I'll say it that way, except for the Claire thing. Yeah, I would have liked it better without the Claire thing, but I don't think it ruined it. No, I don't think so either. I think it was just one of those like, okay, fine, whatever, you put this in here, let's move on moments for me. Yeah. Um, Are you ready to move on to a final rating? Indeed I am. Do you want me to go first or would you like to? I I will. I gave it an 80. Hey, okay. 
I feel like I enjoy it, but I also kind of have to be in a really specific mindset for it to work for me. Mm-hmm. And I think my main problem is it kind of erases what I liked about the original Christmas Carol story. Because mm-hmm. in that, Ebenezer didn't get like a literal reward for changing. Like, he didn't get his lost love Belle back. His sister and his best friend were still dead. It was kind of just about paying things forward and learning to appreciate and build relationships with the people he's got in his life today. Yeah. And the movie's insistence on having him end up with Claire, the girl of his past, took it away and kind of made the story less good. I agree with you. I I don't even know the original well I feel like every year I'm like I'm gonna read it I have the book I'm gonna read it I'm gonna read it for around Christmas time and I never do but I know it well enough to know that they definitely changed a lot of things and I gave it a similar rating I gave it gave it an 82 um there was more that I liked about it than I disliked about it there were a lot of funny quotes Bill Murray is amazing and also by the way I don't know if you knew this but I looked up um, or character names as I was making my list and I found out that James the brother is actually Bill Murray's brother in real life which is also the fun. father is also one of Bill Murray's brothers and I believe his other <laughs> brother was also in this but I don't know who he played uh, incredible yeah this is the first time I found out that Bill Murray has a lot of siblings um, mm-hmm. but anyway um, I did enjoy it I would watch it again if somebody wanted to watch it I don't see myself going you know what I'm in the mood for Scrooged I'm gonna watch Scrooged again um not because it was bad but because I think what you said basically I'd have to be in a really specific mood and I don't think I'm ever in that mood but if somebody's watching it I'll watch it with them and enjoy it again well but I'm glad we got to watch it together yeah I'm finally watching some movies that everybody but me has seen Well, next time, we're going to watch a movie that no one but me has seen. (laughs) It's a very Merry Muppet Christmas movie starring Kermit the Frog and David Arquette. Oh, I don't even know if I look forward to it, but we'll see. In the meantime, guys, check us out on social media. We're on Instagram at Millennials at the Movies. We're on Twitter, Millennials A-T-M. And my personal Twitter is Ami, that's A-M-I underscore movies. And mine is cantaloupe underscore eyes like the fruit. We'll see you guys next time. Bye.